Welcome back to Biased Opinion. Uh, we're here today with a special NHL off-season episode. Um, I don't know if this will be the only one, but it's kind of an off-season preview episode. Uh, we'll have an MLB episode later in the week, but yeah, t- today it's just me and PJ talking a little hockey. Um, first, we're going to talk about Ke- the Kevin Hayes contract with the Flyers that was just signed a week ago. Signed for seven years, 50 million total. PJ, what do you think about the Kevin Hayes contract? That, yeah, that just that seems a little bit too much money. And the Flyers, I don't know, they don't really seem to me in like a position to win. And Kevin Hayes, I don't really think is going to put them over the top. And you look at his like points last year, career high of 55 points in 71 games. And yeah, he's just not a, his highest goal scoring season was 2017, 2018, 25 goals. That's just not worth seven million bucks. I feel like the Flyers have never seen him play. That's what, that's kind of what it seems like. It seems like they looked at the they looked they went on hockey reference, checked his stats for last year when he was on the Rangers, and said, "Oh, it's throw this guy a ton of money." Because I don't know, he he was playing he was he was playing barely ten minutes a night on the fourth line for Winnipeg in the playoffs. It was Kevin Hayes. He's not the best skater. Not he's not a very good skater. He's big. Uh, he can put the puck in the back of the net. Occasionally, he's a he's a mediocre second line center at his peak, and I mean seven years, fifty million. That contract is not going to look good in my or that that contract is just I don't know. It's just a lot of money to give a guy who might be a mediocre second line center for you, um, especially when it looks like this team is kind of on the rebuild. I don't know why you need to give Kevin Hayes fifty million dollars, but I mean the guy. He, he's had one truly good season. It was a breakout year, but then he got traded to Winnipeg in the middle of it and completely fell off a cliff. So, Yeah, Winnipeg, they swung a miss on him. They gave up a first-round pick to get him. They thought he was going to put him over the top and they could contend for a cup, but that did not work at all. No, no, just, yeah. he He's, he's an all right, I'm not saying he's, like, he's, he's an all right player, but I would, like, I mean, I, if on a, on a very good, Hockey team, it probably like a very good NHL team. It probably be like a third line center, I think, like a good third line center, or a below average second line center on a lot of teams. Because I don't know, he's just that's just he's not. I don't think he's worth fifty million dollars personally, but it's me. Um, yeah. Moving on to uh, William Carlson, he was uh, due to become a restricted free agent uh, this this Carlson. July. And he signed an eight-year extension worth $5.9 million a year with the Vegas Golden Knights. I really like this deal for Vegas. He's a proven top six forward, and for only $5.9 million, I think that's kind of a steal. And you, we're going to talk about some other restricted free agents later in the podcast that are maybe going for a, a lot more than $5.9 million. So for a top six forward in the prime of his career, he had 43 goals two years ago. He'll never get that total again, but still... He's a productive he, offensive yeah, he, player. He had 56 points this year, and he's only 26. Um, yeah, I mean, like Hayes, he puts the puck in the net. Uh, he's definitely he's a good – I think he's better than Hayes, and he's making a lot less money. So, I mean, you can't really compare the two because one of them was – Carlson's restricted. Hayes is going to be unrestricted. But um, this is looking like a bargain mm-hmm. compared to the last couple of free agent signings we've seen in the NHL with – 
first Carl, uh, Eric Carlson and then Kevin Hayes both getting, in my opinion, massively overpaid. I think Vegas gets a really good deal here with William Carlson. Um, maybe he took kind of a discount because before he came to Vegas, he was kind of an afterthought in the NHL. Yeah, it shows how much he wanted to stay in Vegas. I mean, Vegas gave Mark Stone like nine million bucks. They gave Stastny like seven. So Carlson could have dug his heels and got way more, but they kind of met on both sides. He probably shouldn't have signed for eight years, but the total amount of money is like less. So it all evens out. So Vegas gets a good deal at 5.9 million. Carlson gets a good deal with eight years. Just seems like a good yeah. deal for both parties. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Good for William Carlson. I mean, two years ago, nobody even knew who this guy was, and now he's making big money in the NHL. Uh, yeah, good for him. Um, up next, want to talk about some uh, – talk about – well, we can talk about other uh, – everyone else who's going to be signing contracts in the next few weeks in the NHL. Um, talk about unrestricted free agents first. Uh, there's a couple big names and a lot of solid players. Uh, the top guy this year's free agent class is probably Artemi Panarin. Uh, he's one of the best wingers in the league, without a doubt. Um, he's uh, People don't think he's resigning in Columbus. PJ, I know you're, you're a huge fan of Panarin. Um, yeah, how much would you pay him? How much would I pay him? Uh, yeah. how old, he's like what twenty seven years old or something like that. Yeah, he's twenty seven years old. Twenty seven years old. He put up eighty eighty seven points last year. He's plays great. He's not just like an offensive player. I think he's got good all around game. He's a disciplined player. I would, I uh, maybe seven years, ten million, maybe something around there. Seven years, ten million. Yeah, I mean. He might even get more. He's going to get a ton of money. Um, like you said, well, there's like only a couple of good players. Like Bobrovsky is a big one, but he's a goalie. Duchesne is probably like the best center available. But then after I mean, that, there's a huge drop-off. So that, that'll that really raise his value. Because I mean, if, if, if might be the next best unrestricted free agent after that, and he's about to be 35. Right. So if someone misses on Panarin, there's really nowhere to go to. So his price could keep going up, up, and up. Exactly. And, yeah. And coming off a of, great playoff run too he's in uh the rumor right now or i mean it's been a rumor for a while um but uh is florida he wants apparently want, might want to go to the panthers and also any new york team uh, i guess he wants to play somewhere near a beach so yeah panarin likes the beach um or he likes i like he likes being near the water because obviously new york isn't really uh the warmest place but um also quenville joel quenville just uh is the Panthers' new head coach. And Panarin apparently loved playing for him in Chicago. So uh, look out for Panarin to get a ton of money to head to Florida this summer. Um, yeah, if they could put him with Barkov, that could be dynamic duo for years to come. And same with Bobrovsky, apparently. Uh, a lot of rumors of him going to Florida, too, with Panarin. They're good friends. Uh, both Russians, so it could happen. Um, yeah, then... there's also uh, Colorado, maybe. They could target him. They have the most cap space in the league, uh, a bunch of young talent. I think, I don't know if he would ever want to go there, but Colorado could definitely be a, a team that could use a guy like Artemi Panarin to get them over the top. Yeah, Colorado, I think they're going to have a huge offseason ahead of them. Uh, in my, they, they might have 
the best young core group of players in the league right now, other than maybe Toronto. But I don't know. Like Toronto's guys are pretty established now. Um, the Avs, they have McKinnon, obviously. Um, they got my guy Cam McCarr. They just drafted Bowen Byram fourth overall. This they have a Landis Cog's been in the league forever. It feels like and he's what, like twenty six years old. They just um, the Avalanche look like they're going to be stacked. They have Rantanen. Avalanche looks like they could be an absolutely stacked team for a while, and they have the most cap space in the league. They have like thirty eight million or something crazy like that, and they just traded Soderberg, free up a little more cap room too. So they could be big spenders this summer. Um, Saw on Twitter today they could be throwing out a couple of offer sheets at some big name restricted free agents, which we can get into in a little bit. Um, yeah, Colorado definitely a threat to sign pretty much anybody because they have the money for it. Um, want to move on to the restricted free agents? Yeah, let's move on to the restricted free agents. So some of uh, the bigger name restricted free agents uh, this summer: Mitch Marner, Braden Point, Sebastian Ajo. Miko Rantanen, Matthew Trichuk, Timo Meyer, Kyle Connor, Patrick Laine. I'll let you start, pick a player, and kind of discuss where you think he's going to go or if he's going to stay at the current team. Uh, well, let's start with Marner. Uh, he's been one of the biggest names that's been people have been talking about lately. Obviously, I mean, he's a superstar who plays in Toronto, so everyone's going to be talking about him. And, um, Latest news on him: Apparently, he was offered a ten, like an eight-year, ten million a year contract, and turned it down. Yeah, uh, I guess he wants a short-term contract with the same amount of money, if not more, than what Austin Matthews got. So, pretty, I, he wants the same contract that Austin Matthews got last year, or two years ago, whenever it was, it's like four or five years, um, eleven million a year, and then he can cash in again after that contract's up. That's what he wants, I guess, but. The Maple Leafs are not – they they just don't have a lot of money. Cause, I mean, they're already paying two guys $22 million, so um, it's really – they're tight on money right now. They just traded Mar- – they gave up a first-round pick to dump Marlowe's contract the other day um, to free up money, but it's they still are – they're pinching pennies in Toronto. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah you can't, what are you going to say? I was and even if they do find the money to give Marner over eleven million a year, teams that have paid three guys that much money, I don't even know if there's even like there's even uh like you never even, I don't think anyone's ever seen any team pay three guys over eleven million a year each. Um, but I mean, you look at a team like the Blackhawks who made Patrick Kane the highest paid winger in the league at ten point five a year, and now they have Tays, Kane, and basically nothing else, and they're overpaying a bunch of old washup defenseman players who aren't worth that money. Yeah, and, they gave at least Taves and Kane those contracts after they won the Stanley Cups. I mean, Mitch Marner, he's a great player, put up a lot of points this season, but he's still he's still got a little, little ways to go to get that to that level. I would yeah. I would think I don't know, he's a local kid growing up around the Toronto area. I would think you just take the 8-year 80 million and play in front of your hometown, your home city, one of the best fan bases in the league. And just be a hometown hero. You play alongside John Tavares. I wouldn't get too greedy. And I don't know. He's he's also a winger. He's not a center. So I don't think the Maple Leafs are going to give him or offer him a contract like they gave Austin Matthews. Okay, I mean, it's it's kind of 
it might be a lose lose either way for Toronto because if they if they lose Marner, obviously they're not as good as they were before, and they couldn't even get past the first round with him. And they'll get four first round picks if they lose him in free agency um, from an offer sheet from some team. So I mean, I guess that makes up for it. That's a huge trade off. Four first round picks, a lot of first round picks, but. They're a win now team, and that will not help you win now. If you lose, maybe you you could. People make arguments that he might be their best player. I don't I don't know about that, but he's obviously one of their top three players, and that would be a huge loss for them, especially considering they couldn't get past the first round with him. Also, and, yeah, keep going. And if they keep him, like I said before, they're gonna have no money. They're gonna have like forty five percent of the cap all towards three guys, and. Hockey is the ultimate team sport. I don't think you win like that, but that's just me. Yeah, he's uh, he, Marner's in a tricky situation. He's already been offered a great contract, as you said, eight years, eighty million. Then you look at how many of the other teams out there are going to be willing to give him eleven, twelve million, and also give up four first round picks in the process. There, you don't really have that many teams that are going to be willing to do that. So then you're stuck again with negotiating with Toronto, who probably are not going to give you eleven million a year. So he's in a really tough situation, and the offer sheet it makes it harder for teams to sign restricted free agents. If you get paying a guy over ten million and giving him four first round picks, even in like the eight to ten million range, you're still giving up four picks, like two in the first, one in the second, one in the third. So I don't yeah. I don't know what team right now is ready to win, who has the cap space, and is also willing to get rid of, you know, their future four first round picks. I mean, I could see. I could, uh, the most likely scenarios I think would be either Marner just re-signing there short-term um, or uh, trade, like they'll trade his RFA rights or whatever, and for something less than four first-round picks, obviously something a lot more feasible, um, and maybe like players that are ready to play now and help Maple Leafs win now. But, yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky situation there. We'll see how it plays out. Um, there are, uh, there is a report today that at least three teams are going to meet with Marner, um, to potentially sign him to an offer sheet or potentially offer him an offer sheet. Um, and there might be a fourth team, but none of them have been named. That's just what, uh, the McKenzie's and Darren Dreggers of Twitter are saying today. It's the latest news on Marner. Um, then the other restricted free agents. Bruins uh, are trying to extend McAvoy right now. Um, he's obviously, I mean, he's the number one D-man. He's only 21. Uh, they, they, they would be crazy to not re-sign him. And at both sides seem like they're planning on uh, making a deal happen. Um, he's definitely going to get a big payday. Braden Point, I don't see uh, Tampa Bay losing him. Yeah, that's pretty much it for free agents for me. Yeah, I also was looking at uh, Sebastian Ajo, and the first offer that the Hurricanes gave was eight years, six million a year, which is way below his value. They're not really a team that's going to want to splash the cash on him. So I think Ajo could could be on the move. That makes no sense either because, I mean, the Hurricanes don't really – they don't have much money in, like – they have a ton of cap space. They're not really paying anyone else. I don't know why they need to lowball their star player, but or one of their star players at least. Um, 
I mean, he's a lot of the reason why they were they got to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. And yeah, it's that's all... not a good relationship going low balling your star players. Yeah, especially if you have money to give them a slight raise above eight years, six million a year. It's also worth noting that like nobody has like completed like an offer sheet, or no one's offered an offer sheet since 2013. Since somebody uh, offered, I think it was Paul Stastny an offer sheet. So this is kind of the first year where we have like a bunch of players who could get offered an offer sheet. In one a bunch, in one year where like a couple of players could be on the move too. You usually don't see this. You usually see te- these players uh, re-signing with their current teams. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, should make for a relatively exciting offseason, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Um, and a little trade news in the NHL. Uh, the other day, PK Subban was dealt to the New Jersey Devils. Uh, I don't think you can really call him a superstar anymore, but he's definitely still one of the most popular players in the NHL um, by far. And he's still a very good offensive defenseman, in my opinion. He was hurt a lot last year. He's banged up, which is concerning, but especially at nine million a year. But uh, yeah, what do you think about this trade, PJ? Uh, I don't really think it does a whole heck of a lot for the Devils. I still think they're a long way away from competing. They didn't really give up anything for him. A couple of second-round picks prospect, uh, Jeremy Davies and Steven Santana. I've never heard of him before. So, I don't know. I think it was interesting that Nashville wanted to get rid of him, probably looking to sign somebody else in free agency, something like that. And he hasn't, he hasn't really pushed the team over the edge yet. And I think the rest of his career, I don't, I don't think he'll be contending for any titles for the rest of his career. Um, I'm going to have to disagree with you there. I think New Jersey is a great landing spot for him. Uh, pressure will be off of him, playing with Taylor Hall, former MVP, obviously. He's going to be healthy again, which he was injured for the majority of last season. That's a part of the reason why they got the number one pick, and they landed Jack Hughes, who uh, is also looking like he could be – potentially a future superstar. Um, he's the number one pick, obviously. And so you got guys Hughes, uh, you got Hughes, Hall, and then you got Nico Heastier, who they picked second or first or second overall a few years ago in the Camel Car draft. Um, they're a solid young team, in my opinion. Uh, they obviously got their star player in Hall. They got Heastier and Hughes. They're strong at the middle. Uh, they got Will Butcher, former Hobie Baker winner on defense, too. Uh, with Subban. Um, and they also have like $26 million in cap space even after this trade, I think. I could be wrong there. They might have less than that. But they, either way, they still have uh, a ton of cap space. So they can make an offer sheet. A lot of people uh, a few weeks ago were saying that the Devils would be in the hunt for Marner and that they'd be willing to give up what it takes to get Marner picks-wise and compensation-wise um, to sign him to a massive deal with the offer sheet. So... Um, yeah, if the Devils get involved in free agency, get some solid players to help them win now. I think, even if it's not this year, I think in a few years, as long as they can keep Hall, who I think is scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent after this year, uh, I think they'll be in a good. I think they'll be in good shape. Hughes has the potential to be a franchise player. Hall already is a franchise player. Um, I think Subban. I think it's a good landing spot for Subban. He's not the main guy. The pressure won't be on him. He doesn't have to carry anyone to the cup, like you said. Um, and Subban's clutch. He's proven that in his career. He scores a lot of game winners. At least he did when he's on the Canadians. He's a Bruins killer. So, yeah. 
I think they they didn't trade much for him, so I think it's a good trade for them, especially because they have the money. The nine million doesn't really hurt them that much. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a lot about the Devils' future. Subban, he only has three years left on his contract, so whether the Devils will be in contention. I'm talking in the near end. future. I'm talking. I'm talking near future when I talk about the Devils' future. I'm not talking like ten years down the road. I'm talking one or two years down the road. I think they'll be a very good team. They they finished like last in the league last year, seventy-two points. So they need well, hundred. They need they need thirty player. more points to be competitive. They have their to make up thirty player. points. Their star player missed the entire season, and so they're basically adding Taylor Hall, PK Subban, Jack Hughes to a team. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll improve. And I'm talking after this year, after a year together, if they keep Hall, and if Hughes progresses the way a lot of people think he will. Uh, I think the Devils are going to be a very good team. All right, we'll have to we'll have to see about that one. Um, and yeah, going off of Hughes, the NHL draft was this weekend or last weekend. Uh, Bruins drafted John Beecher, the end of the first round. Uh, how'd you like this pick? Uh, I liked it. I think a quick shout out to Colin Ridge who uh, came on the podcast last episode and kind of called this pick. So I guess, I guess Beecher was a part of the U.S. developmental team and was overlooked. Not overlooked. He was put in the, was it the fourth line or third line, something like that, behind Hughes, yeah, Hughes, and, Hughes and Zegers, I think. Two top picks. Yeah. He, still so, put, he still put points, though. Still yeah, I know. But, I mean, you're behind Hughes and Zegers. Of course, you're going to be on the third or fourth line. Yeah. So I think that's where the Bruins got good value. He's big center, 6'4", 218, I think. And I wonder if this pick was like a reaction from the Stanley Cup Finals where the Bruins probably could use a little bit more physicality. Yeah, I like this pick. Um, personally, I like this pick a lot. You can never have too many centers. The most important position in hockey, probably. Um, that's you build your teams around. You build your teams around great centers. So I uh, have no complaints, especially with Bergeron and Krejci not getting any younger. Coils deals up after this year. Um, yeah, and the prospect pool, whereas a couple of years ago it looked like the Bruins might have had one of the deepest prospect pools in the league. It's kind of dried up a little bit. A lot of guys that we thought would pan out haven't. Like, we look at a guy like Bjork. He's been hurt every single year. Uh, JFK went back to Europe. Um, Trent Frederick got called up, didn't really do anything. Guys like, like guys like that just – and Donato got traded, obviously. And so a lot of your prospects kind of – didn't it, either they're already in the league right now, they're already on the Bruins, you traded them, or they didn't pan out like you're supposed to. So, um, we'll see how Beecher is, but I mean, he's our, he's instantly probably one of the best prospects the Bruins have. I think it'll be a, at least a year until he's playing pro hockey, probably a couple of years till we see him on the Bruins. He's committed to Michigan, um, who, I mean, Michigan's a solid hockey school, Big Ten, good hockey conference, so. We'll see how he does there. We'll be watching him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I guess if we uh, finish this episode uh, focusing on the Bruins offseason, it looks like the Bruins have around $12 million in cap space left. So you already talked about McAvoy as a restricted free agent. Carlo is also a, a restricted free agent along with Heinen. And then the notable unrestricted free agents are Johansson and Achari. So what would you do with the uh, $12 million in cap space? And what do you see the futures of McAvoy, Carlo, Johansson, Achari, and Heinen. Um, well, if I'm the Bruins, I I mean, the number one priority by far, not even close, is getting uh, signing McAvoy long-term. 
which I think he could probably get seven and a half, eight for seven years, maybe. That's just the I'm just throwing numbers out, but that's somewhere around there. And that leaves you with about to be safe, like four million in cap space, which I think you can re-sign Carlo with. And then if you want to re-sign Heinen or Johansson, if you can take a discount, um, you probably will have to move Miller or Moore, one of the depth defensemen like that, because you just don't have enough money to, and you have a lot of defensemen. Plus, with the young defensemen coming up, I think you can afford to move one of them. So I think if you move one of them, I don't think you'll get that much in return, but you you open up two and a half, three million in cap space if you move one of them. And that gives you enough money to maybe resign high into a small, like a short term bridge deal, or maybe get Johansson back on a discount instead. Um, Achari, I don't know. He, he's, I mean, he's a fourth liner. I don't know if he's going to get that much money. Although we saw last year with Tim Schaller, he got uh, a good amount, good chunk of money from Vancouver. So we'll see what happens with that. But I think the priority is definitely McAvoy one, Carlo two, and then. If you need to move one of the depth defensemen uh, for cap space to resign Johansson or Heinen, and then you call up one of the young guys like Fakainen, maybe even Zaboral, and see what they can do. Yeah, I agree with uh, moving the uh, depth defenseman. The big problem for the Bruins is a contract to David Backus, two years left, six million on it. I don't think the answer to every bad contract is trading away first-round draft picks to get rid of bad contracts. I know the Maple Leafs just did it with Marlowe, but at least they've hit on most of their top draft picks, and they're in a win-now mode, so Marner's worth the first-round pick that they're going to lose. I don't I don't think the Bruins should get rid of back of his contract and two first-round picks just to like, keep Johansson or keep Krug or sign yeah, somebody I, else in free agency. Back, I mean, even if I don't even know if you could even move. Back is a modified no-trade clause, so... I think you can only train up to half the teams in the league anyways, which makes it hard enough. And the fact I, – I, you'd have to probably retain salary even if you gave up a pick to get rid of him. So I just – a lot of Bruins fans are focused on trying to dump his contract, but I wouldn't even worry about that because I don't think it's possible personally. We'll see. It could happen. You never know. Um, there's a lot of teams with a lot of cap space that would like to get a first-round pick, I'm guessing. But it would definitely be hard to move back. As, uh, there is a rumor, though. That I don't know the exact the math how it works here, but he gets a signing bonus on at some point this off season, like a three million dollar signing bonus. And so I guess you can buy him out after he gets that signing bonus, and the cap hit will be lower um, for the next two years. Which I mean, if you're gonna healthy scratch the guy anyway, I don't know how much money you're gonna save, but that is a possibility uh, buying him out after he gets a signing bonus this summer. But I don't know exactly how much it saves, so we'll see if that happens. I don't think it's likely, though. I think they'll. I think Brackers will probably be on the team next year. Probably won't be playing much um, unless a lot of guys get hurt. Yeah. And then what would you do with Tory Krug? He's got one year left, $5 million. Would you keep him for a cup run this year, or would you trade him to try and get something in return instead of risking him, risk losing him for nothing in 2020? Um, I personally... I would not trade him for prospects or draft picks. I would only trade him for uh, a very good top six winger um, to play with Krejci or play on the top line and send Pasternak down to the second line. That's probably the only situation I trade Krug in. I, I mean, your your core is all over thirty basically. 
uh, Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak. Uh, I mean, you got you got an upper Pasternak, Bergeron, Marchand, Krejci, and then you got Pasternak and McAvoy that are young. But the uh, you got when your star player is thirty three years old, um, you, you're in win now mode. There's no way around. The Bruins are in win now mode, and if you trade Krug for picks, I don't think that's a great move. I don't think that I don't think the locker room likes that move, and I mean the Bruins have great leadership in the locker room. I don't think that locker room is going to fall apart anytime soon. But I just don't think that would sit well with the guys like Bergeron, Marshawn, Chara, who only have so much time left, Krejci, um, as top level players. So personally, I don't I don't trade Krug um, unless you can get a really good top six right winger, but. That's the only scenario where I'd trade him personally. How about you? Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I wouldn't trade Krug. I would keep him for one last cap uh, cup run. But in 2020, I wouldn't re-sign him for $8 million a year. I don't think he'd be worth it. He's more, I, mean, I, don't, he's, I don't think the money to do it anyway. I think – yeah, I I don't think we're going to have the money to do it. I don't think I'd re-sign him for $8 million a year. I like Krug a lot, but, yeah, I agree with you. Um, and – uh. Yeah, Krug probably going after this year, but I'd take I'd take this year of Krug over whatever picks would get, hoping that we hit on a pick, which has not happened that often in the Don Sweeney era. Although he has, I mean, he's had a great couple great picks, but had a couple of really bad ones too. So I don't know. I take Krug for a year over hoping one of your draft picks pans out. Yeah, I agree. So uh, that's it for. This special edition NHL episode. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at bias underscore underscore opinion. Uh, we'll post whenever we have a new episode. Uh, like we said, special MLB episode coming later this week. PJ, you want to talk about that real quick? Uh, yes. Red Sox and Yankees will be playing a two-game series in London Saturday and Sunday. I think the times of the game is 10 o'clock Sunday. No, 10 o'clock Saturday, 1 o'clock Sunday. or It's one of the two. And then uh, later on that episode, we'll have a guest on from the Triple Play podcast who will be joining us, and they'll be make their debut to also talk about some of the other stuff that's happened in the first half of the MLB season. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon.